Okay, folks. If you could bring it back in. We've got about uh, 30 minutes to go. I hope it was a uh, profitable time as you spent time together. Um, I would encourage you to, um, it was 30 minutes of teaching. Um, Pat could probably do six hours of teaching on that subject. It's just barely uh, um, scratching the surface. But I, would, I promise you that if you um, employ those principles of reconciliation um, in your marriage and um, not just apologize, not just say I'm sorry, but genuinely seeking forgiveness from one another and then releasing the other one from their sin, um, your marriage will be on the way to thriving. Um, we, uh, well, yeah, I won't go much past that. We've got uh, five questions and um, eight on your phone. Okay. And then if, um, if you want to raise your hand, if you've got any more questions, I want to remind you that we're, we're not, um, other than John and Kelly, the rest of us are not experts they're, they're, they're the experts. Um, Pat and Julian have been married 50 years, 5-0, right? Wow. Yeah. And uh, John and Kelly are coming up on 26 years of marriage in June, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then we've been married 12 years. You know, we've, we've been married 36. It'll be 37 in June by God's uh, amazing grace. Um, and I do mean by God's amazing grace. Um, the Hummels were going to join us up here, actually. The Hummels have been married 27 years, going on 28, and uh, Stan is sick. Um, so as you think of him, in fact, in fact, let me just uh, real quickly pray for him, if I might. God, I uh, pray for uh, Stan the man. Um, grateful for that brother, and uh, grateful for Danette. Uh, grateful for your uh, kindness and grace in their marriage over the last uh, almost 28 years. And I pray that your nearness would be stands good. I pray, God, that you would uh, protect him, that you'd bring him to, uh, uh, to back to health, and that, um, that they would uh, just be a great testimony to your kindness as they're uh, dealing with doctors tonight. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So um, the first question that I have is, um, if a husband and wife are not on the same page with a major decision, what do you think the best thing to do is? If husband and wife are not on the same page on a major decision, what's the best thing to do? And it's usually just to go with the husband. No, don't, don't, no, no. Do, don't do that. Who, who, who would like to answer that? Anybody want to go with that? Well, I said to pray about it, first of all. And it seems like if it's a major decision... You're not going to rush into it and then just maybe come back together. Yeah, I think it'd be good for the other ladies to answer it too because oftentimes you hear you know, that the, the, the man is the head of the house and oftentimes that can be taken in a kind of a, um, in a authoritarian um, kind of way. So would love to hear how the ladies do that. Kelly's seen me make lots of good decisions. Well, very few, but a lot of bad decisions. So, uh. <laughs> Um, no, I think it's just a matter of communicating, really. I mean, I think maybe what you said, but praying about it and um, hopefully husbands staying open to what your wives have to say and, and husbands, or and then wives being prayerful and, and giving your wisdom. I think the Lord gave you a wife because he knew you'd be great in balancing each other out. So 
I know for us, um, just offering the wisdom I have, but then ultimately I just submit. I submit to what he decides, and I'm, I'm at peace with that. So that's how we've handled it. I think part of it depends on why you're at opposite poles. Is it because you're in conflict and you each want your own way? <clears throat> if that's the case, what you really need to do is come together, I think, after a lot of prayer and try and find what you both believe God would have you do, not what the wife wants to do and what the husband wants to do. But see if you can come together and discover God's best plan. Yeah, really. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to... To see you all, I have to have my glasses on. To read this, I have to take them off. Okay, so that's what happens when you're 54. All right. Thinking back to when you had young children, what are some of the ways that your wife put you first before the kids? And what are some things that your wife did that made you feel respected and loved? Um, <clears throat> I have to say that I'm a very selfish man, and uh, I always wanted more of my wife than there was of her to give. So that was my fault, right? And so um, maybe whoever wrote this, it looks like it's a woman's writing. I'm not sure if it's a man's writing or not, but, <laughs> but if it's a, I would have assumed that this is a man's writing, and he's probably looking for ways like he can give you know, some suggestions that his wife can do for him, right? Um, that's what I was like, and I probably still am. You know, I'm selfish. I, kinda, I want more. But when the kids are young, Obviously, they take a lot of time, a lot of time and energy. And I always wanted my wife's energies for my good pleasures, right, instead of just uh, her giving it all out. And, uh, but she, Killy did, Killy is an amazing person, I just have to say, um, as well. And I would say that every husband here would, should say that about your wives. They're amazing people. They do a lot. And uh, she... <clears throat> What, one of the things that we did early on is we, we said we needed time. Our time was primary, even though, of course, you know, in terms of quantity, it didn't always work out that way. But uh, we always said we wanted couch time. We wanted our kids to be able to know the, what the principal relationship was in the house. And so we would, we would make sure that we would sit on the couch together every night and that it was our time. Kids could play around, do all their do all their business, and squawk and moan and everything. But we wanted it to there to be time for us, and that they would see that this relationship was primary. And so Kelly always uh, took took that as a priority. She always made me a priority. It was always that you know you have fifty thousand competing priorities, and so which one which one are, which one am I going to see? You know which and uh, and and also um, you know she just. Uh, she did things, uh, uh, special things. She's always about the special occasion, right? I grew up in a family that we didn't even celebrate birthdays. Birthdays were kind of like, oh, gee, it's your birthday. Cool. You know, we never really made a big deal about anything. Kelly was very different from me in, in, <clears throat> in that her family made a big deal of everything. And I really have, have come to appreciate that about Kelly is what she would, she would make, she'd make special, she would go the extra mile to make, in, even invent special things. Like we would celebrate spring. Hey, it's spring. We're going to party. And, uh, 
And she did it's just crazy stuff all the time. And so it was pretty regular, and it wasn't in my DNA to do that, but she, she did that. And, and it, was, it was a family deal, but it also, um, a lot of it was, I, I believe, that she was doing it to minister to me. And, uh, and uh, honestly, um, you know, it, when I'm, when I'm uh, yeah, she, 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 she would go to exhaustion to, to make sure that every, everything was done right. And, and I'm not suggesting that women have to do that, but Kelly did. And so when I wanted all the extra special physical attentions that I wanted, and, and I wanted it often, she, she, she did every, you know, she was every bit the person that she could be to, to, to be my wife. And uh, so that's that's about all I can say. Uh, that's all comes to mind. I'm sure that the, some of these other men might have some other other thoughts. Oh, okay, my turn. <laughs> um, I think one thing you can do is if your husband works out of the home, when he comes home, gather the kids and get all excited and run and tell daddy, "Daddy's home," you know, and. And go and love on him and, and um, be excited that he's home. Don't just let him walk in the door and let nobody notice. I think that goes a long ways. That was always a good thing. That is good. And, and it calls to mind uh, another tradition that when I would leave the house, every morning as I leave the house, they would all be out on the front porch. All of them. Waving me goodbye. And I would, I would honk the horn at them every morning. And all my neighbors knew when I was leaving for work because I would, I would honk the horn. And... Uh, so she did all, there's probably a lot of special things that she did. One of the ways that she made me feel loved and respected when uh, the kids were younger is that she would save the spankings for me when I got home. I would, uh, <laughs> so I, I loved spanking my kids. I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really like, I didn't like that at all, actually. I, I'd cry when they cried. Um, I think one thing that uh, Nancy's done a good job with is that we're really big on the five love languages. It's pretty, it's pretty simple. But just being a student of one another, my love language is quality time. I just want to, like, be here with her. Her love language is um, acts of service. And I could care less about serving. I just want to be with her. Um, that's not true. I do want to serve you. But she was a student of, of, of me. She knew that, that my uh, was quality time so that when, when I would take her on weekly date nights, um, she would rather really uh, be home because she's a homebody with the kids and whatnot, but she, would, she knew it was important to me, so she would go with me. When our oldest daughter was six months old and Nancy was still breastfeeding, um, I took her to Mexico for a week. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, so 37 years later, he did the same thing. Jake, we'll talk afterwards. Yeah, and so, um, but she, she knew that it was important to not only our marriage, but to me to be able to be together for, for, um, for a week. And then, uh, but her, her mom, um, you know, she, she banked milk in the fridge for like 10 days and her mom, um, gave Natalie milk out of the bottle. Yeah. But it's not the best because, you know, she were in Mexico and she's like pumping four times a day. So I don't know, maybe TMI. I don't, you got anything to add down there? Next question. Yeah, next question. I'm done. Oh, you're out? Yeah. Oh, well, that didn't take long. I've got a bunch on my cell phone. Let me, uh, you hold that. Oh, why don't you answer that? Okay, we have a question here. Should health issues affect marriage roles? And if so, to what extent? You know, if you've got serious health issues, they have to affect 
your relationship one way or another. And it depends, I think, on whether the health issues are with him or with her. Um, as much as possible, though, in spite of whatever the health issues are, if you can maintain the godly roles that God has assigned to you, I think that's preferable as much as you possibly can. Um, but it does affect, I mean, physical health does affect our relationships and our roles. Uh, this one came via text, um, and anyone up here is free to answer it, so raise your hand. Uh, how do you approach it with your spouse if they are either unwilling or do not recognize sin within themselves? It's a really huge question. Anybody want to? Yeah. We'll go to the Word. Yeah. Uh, 1 Peter 3 says this, um, verses 1, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Um, when they see the, the purity and reverence of your lives, and I, I, this is my two cents on this. What drew me to Jesus Christ is he never pointed out my sin. He just loved me. And I think the power of the gospel is to know that we're loved. And, and I know it's hard sometimes when these sins impact your relationship, but the answer isn't to point fingers. It's to love unconditionally and to pray uh, and to radiate as much as you, as you can in the power of the Spirit through the word of the love of Christ in your relationship. Uh, that would be my thoughts. I, I, would, um, I would add to that that the, the word does talk about um, admonishing, that even in a marriage that um, we can admonish one another. Um, and so um, the, the question was, what if they don't acknowledge their sin, right? Correct. Yeah, is that um, if there's patterns of sin in your spouse's life, um, that uh, one of the best ways you can love them actually is to... Um, gently and lovingly um, show them their sin. But um, you need to make sure you've forgiven them first. Because oftentimes in our marriage um, that I will maybe point something out in Nancy, um, but I'll do it because I'm ticked or because um, I'm, I'm, I'm upset, I'm frustrated, rather than doing it um, out of love for her. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I would just say that when, when, there's, um, when you have a spouse that is not seeing their sin, first of all, wait. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Let the Spirit convict. Give the, give the Spirit time to work. And then over time, if the sin persists, um, appeal to them. Gently appeal to them um, in, a, in a loving way. And forgive them before you do that. Okay, next question. Uh, what we'll do with these, if we don't get to all of them tonight, uh, I'll write them down, and we'll, uh, if we have time in the next couple of sessions, we'll address them then. Uh, this one says, um, uh, how do you actively take tonight's lessons and make change, not get caught up in the emotion? Um, uh, since I did the teaching, let me, let me try to respond. 
the, the pathway to reconciliation is plainly laid out in Scripture. It's to own your sin, seek forgiveness for any way that you have uh, offended someone else, uh, and seek that forgiveness, confess that sin before the Father. And um, I, I think that the process of, of patiently and prayerfully uh, going down that journey, uh, maybe you've had an emotional experience tonight, I don't know, uh, but... Um, in my experience, emotions follow obedience in the spiritual life, and so the more we can fall into step as the Spirit leads and directs us to obey the Word, the more we will find uh, our emotions uh, being healed, being um, controlled by uh, just the Word of God and the Spirit of God. So, so it's um, it's good to you know kind of come down off the mountaintop, but the reality is day in and day out living out the truth of the gospel, uh, and maintaining a, a relationship that's uh, as much as humanly possible free of sinfulness and, uh, and just working hard on being reconciled, not harboring bitterness or anger or resentment in your heart. We'll talk some more about that tomorrow and its impact a little bit when we get into communication. Anybody else? Yeah, um, <clears throat> I felt like uh, my, my sense as we were going through this tonight is that, man, that was a jet tour, <laughs> was it? Did you guys feel like we were moving fast? And and I'm not sure, you know, if you grasped everything about reconciliation, but it's so important. And I remember uh, Kelly and I did CTO, which is, uh, you know, supposed to be, what, a 12-week thing? I think we took like nine, 26. What? 26. 26, okay. It took us a long time, to probably 15 months or something like that, to go through it with the Hardys. And, and honestly, I have to be really, really honest with you guys, is it was painful for me. Honestly, to, to, to recognize, for me to uh, expose myself, to say to my wife that I sinned in, in this way, it, man, it was painful. It hurt me. It, you know, the sins that she did against me were, were probably not that weighty on me. I don't really carry a, a lot of uh, uh, grudge and such like that, but it was a painful process, and maybe you experienced some of that tonight. Maybe just a little glimmer of that in talking about a few of the things, but if you my encouragement would be for you to take the steps to continue that, because that wall that uh, you know, the bricks in that wall you might have just chipped away at a brick tonight. You might have just chipped away at a brick. And there's lots of bricks in the wall, potentially, over years of marriage, right? Nobody's immune from this, right? I, I continue to tell people we are weak, we fail, and we fall. Every one of us. We do, right? And so reality is, is you've got a lot of stuff built up. Even in just a couple of years of marriage, there's a lot of things built up. And my encouragement would be for you to continue the process. Just keep, just keep working it. Because it's God's process, Right? And, and to keep, keep asking for forgiveness. And, you know, today, after I, you know what I felt after we were done with CTO? I felt like I was, I was clean, in a sense. I was ready. I had, we had a level playing field. And one of the terms we use in CTO is keep short accounts. And so now it's, instead of a full house cleaning, what I do with Kelly on a routine basis now, it's kind of like dusting, 
You know, it's an, it's a, we're just keeping things clean, you know, and, and we even talked a little bit about it tonight and, you know, trying to, trying to think about things that maybe we have done against each other. And, and one of the things, you know, is I'll keep, I, I continue to be selfish. I'm a selfish mutt. I really am. I'm a dirt bag. And, and so it'll just come out, man. And so, so I'll be selfish and, and I'll be impatient with my bride. And so now the beauty of having gone through and taken the bricks down is now you recognize that you're a lot more sensitive. You don't just let it go, right? Because you've been through this process. It took a lot of work to get through this process, right? It might take you months to do it uh, faithfully, right? And so now you're more sensitive. And so now you just deal with it real, real time. So now when I, when, when I offend my bride, I can see it in her face. Boom, right there. And I, and I can't say I'm perfect with this, but many times I'll stop right there and say, whoops, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I was, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just, I'm, I just, I just sinned against you. Just, will you forgive me? And, and tr- just, so you can keep a short account, but you first have to get, take care of the wall. And so work on it. Yeah. Just uh, keep, yeah. The one thing I would just add to that is um, don't fill your life so full that you don't have time to communicate. Mm. Because if you're so full doing things, you know, going from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, then that wall just gets built up and you don't have time to deal with it. So, um, and again, the more you do it, the easier it gets. So the more you, you reconcile, the easier it gets. Next question. Um, what happens if you are the only one teaching your kid about God and uh, your husband is not? Uh, I assume it's a husband sentence says he is not, so. You know, I would. Ju- I have not been in that situation. Neither of us were really. Um, but if you love the Lord and you want your kids to know Jesus and love Him, um, you've you've got to take that role that your husband should have. You have to take that role, and um, and I would, um, you know, expose your kids. If your kids are teenagers, um, you know, try to get them involved in youth group. Find a, a, another godly man. Um, you don't want to usurp your husband's authority in the home, but um, but if he doesn't know Jesus um, and your kids need to, um, um, teach him the teach him the word. Anything else to add? Okay. Next question: What's the best thing that you did to improve your marriage? I'll answer that briefly for us. Uh, the best thing I ever did to improve my marriage is come to know Christ. <laughs> because I, I was, uh, as yeah, it, yeah. you don't need to know the whole story, but uh, without Christ, um, yeah, um, our marriage, I was selfish. Uh, John thinks he was selfish. I was a poster I child. I think I was for, more selfish yeah, than you. I was more selfish <laughs> than you. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, until you come to know Christ and understand the gospel and the Lord and how he's laid out this plan for marriage, and, and hopefully, you, you know, you're growing in that. We're all growing in that. We're still growing at that. We've been at this a few years. So, yeah, it's just it's just realizing the truth of God's word and what he wants to do in your life through your relationship with your spouse, learning to die to self and, and love unconditionally and, and become that one. So that's my two cents. Okay. I'm going to add, 
outside of taking down that wall, uh, I think what Kelly and I have done and have grown in, so it's taken us getting some kids uh, later years in life, but it's time together. She, she kind of alluded to it already, didn't she, in terms of not filling your life full of so much of stuff, but time together. And Dan alluded to it that that's his love language, and I think it's, it's really fundamental for, for just the two of you to spend lots of time together, lots of time, lots and lots of time. The only thing I'd add, we'll talk about it tomorrow. It was lots of communicating and lots of sex. I mean, that's just it. Was that my out, was that my out loud voice? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, this one is we've already dealt with once. Uh, uh, could you briefly touch on bringing up sin in a spouse's life? So we've touched on that already. Uh, got another one here. Um, what happens if your spouse is more concerned about earthly marriage than the spiritual? Probably, uh, again, the passage in First Peter speaks about the reality of living out uh, your life in love, patience, spend time. I think John's ideas are great. Uh, just radiate the love of Christ to your spouse as much as you can. Uh, reveal the the hope of the gospel as you know you you don't have to try to jam it down people's throats or their throats but just live live in love and love them uh seek their forgiveness when it's appropriate if you uh if you sin against them just live out the gospel and the truth of the word day in and day out and god will god will honor that and bless that i believe in time and and you you will become more and more attractive as christ draws us to himself so Will his love empower us to uh, draw others to us? Probably the last question, Pat. You have one more? Time for one more. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, how would you deal with the situation if he seems uh, afraid to talk about God? Are all these questions coming from the same person? There's a theme here. Yeah, no comment on that. Yeah. So it is a theme, right? Um, and I'm just, I mean, this is more of a men's conference kind of response than it is a marriage conference type of response, but it is that men inherently don't want to be leaders, right? For some reason, men want to abdicate their role as, as heads of the house. They just, there's something about the fall, and, and, and it's, it's too bad. And women, they kind of fill a void, right? And it's pretty common. It's even common in Christian marriages, unfortunately. I guess the, the teaching from Scripture, though, is men, you have to lead your homes. And, and so how do you deal with that? Well, I think Dan and, uh, has already said some really, you know, in the, in the absence of a, of a man uh, being the spiritual leader of the home, uh, the wife has, to, if she's inclined to do so, she should do the best that she can and live, and live the best, you know, in humility and, and respecting her husband should, should fulfill that role. Um, but the challenge really is for men that, that, and Kelly, I have to be honest, I'm sensitive to this because I tend to shy away. I tend to back away from true leadership in the home in a spiritual sense. And she has numerous times in our marriage, her admonition to me 
that, that humble admonition in, in, a, in a good spirit that Dan was talking about, Kelly has done that. She's, she's actually said we really need to establish more time with us as a family spiritually, meeting together as family, praying together, uh, studying the Bible together. And she would encourage me or admonish me uh, in that way on multiple occasions. And I would step up and I'd, I'd say, I, I realize that you, you we, and we, and, and so, but she's always been a helpmate in that way to help me see when I'm falling away in that role. And so bottom line is, yes, it's, it's easy for men to fall away, but I, uh, to back away from taking the appropriate leadership, uh, spiritual leadership in their families. But my encouragement to men is you must be the spiritual leader of your home. And so um, it doesn't solve problems. It will solve a lot of problems if you, if you would do that. Just always recognize that that's what God's called you to. And uh, I'll leave it at that. Pray for him. Pray for him. Yeah. And one small thing I might add to that, too, is women, if your husband does anything that smacks of spiritual leadership, affirm him for it. Encourage him. Cheer him on. Um, because that's one of the ways that he'll begin to to grab the vision of what spiritual leadership looks like in the home. If he if he just engages in a little bit and you cheer him on and encourage him and, and talk with him about what a blessing that is for you and for the kids and and maybe suggest how he might do that on a more consistent basis, uh, that would be something that you could do as a woman to help him assume the role that God would have for him in the marriage. I would recommend you ladies um, not buy books and put them on your husband's nightstand. <laughs> it usually has the opposite effect. Um, guys, I, I remember back, it was so hard for me to lead my family, actually. It was not intuitive for me at all to lead them in the word and devotions and to be the spiritual leader. So I know that there's guys in this room that love Jesus and you love your family, but you have no idea how to take the spiritual headship in your home. And I would just encourage you to, not that we're experts, but, but reach out. Um, if you have that desire um, and God has put that desire in you um, and he created you to lead that way, um, come talk to us. We'd love to be able to, um, to teach you on, on how to do that because it's kind of scary, actually. Um, we're at 8.31, and, uh, and we, we told you we'd have you out here at, um, at 8.30. Um, is it 8.30 or 9.30? 8.30, yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so um, let, me, let me just pray a blessing, and I thank the Lord for our time, and then we'll give you instructions for tomorrow. Uh, God, we uh, praise you, and we worship you. Uh, God, you are um, all good. You are all-knowing and um, that you are um, such a loving God. And I, I thank you that, um, that you want marriages, that you designed marriage to uh, bring you glory and honor. And Lord, we know that, um, that marriages are really uh, ground zero uh, for the enemy. Uh, we know that uh, there's nothing that he would like better than to see um, Christian marriages um, 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 worst case dissolve and uh, maybe best case for the enemy is to to be ineffective and to just survive rather than thrive. And again, we talked about a, a weighty um, topic tonight that is um, that really defines you and that's reconciliation. 
And Lord, we know that uh, when we were um, at our worst, when we were enemies, when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, you made us friends. You made us alive in Christ Jesus, that you reconciled us to the Father so that we would be adopted into your forever family. And I pray, God, that because of our reconciliation, that we would desire reconciliation in our marriages, that we would um, be quick to confess our sins to one another, and we would be quick to forgive as we have been forgiven. And so, God, I pray for uh, these marriages here tonight. I pray, God, as they go home and, and get tucked into their own bed, I pray that they would ponder these truths. And, um, and I pray that you'd receive all the glory and honor in these marriages. So, God, we uh, just ask for a restful night tonight. We ask that uh, you would bring us back tomorrow ready to, uh, to learn and to engage and to, uh, and to worship you. So we love you, and we ask that, uh, that you uh, would um, just be honored and glorified here tonight and tomorrow. And God's people said, amen. And so tomorrow we start at 8. Eight o'clock, uh, we'll have um, a continental breakfast. Um, if you can try to be here a little bit early, again, we just have 30 minutes to eat. We'll be eating from 8 to 8.30. And be prepared to uh, learn about biblical communication and then also to um, learn a little bit about uh, biblical sex. Um, you're-